usually first in the 70s and 80s, and now it is permeating our churches. And what I'm saying is this. I want to challenge you that salvation is about one thing. I'll give you the end of the matter if I could say that, or the rest of the story, as Steve Harvey would say. There's one thing in salvation, one thing and one thing only, his name's Jesus Christ. If we could boil our salvation down to one thing, it's Jesus Christ. Now, some of you are sitting here saying, man, I don't know whether I'm saved. And some of you are sitting here saying, man, you know what? I know that I'm not saved. You say, what's that mean? That means that you're lost. You say, man, that's a horrible term. You're telling me I'm lost? No, no, no. What I'm saying is this. God has given us a roadmap to get to heaven. And if you know the roadmap, you know where to go. Therefore, you're not lost. If you don't know the roadmap, the Bible just calls us lost, calls us unsaved, calls us not born again. Friends, all I'm saying this morning is I hope that we understand this. There's people here today, there's people here today that have been saved every year at summer camp. There's great issue with that. Great, well, they're saved, bless God. Well, here's the problem with that, okay? When you get saved on the next revival meeting, you get saved at the next summer camp, you get saved at the next event, here's what happens, friends, is that your foundation begins to crumble. Because if your foundation is never solid, you can never build that Christian life. You can never build that house upon a crumbly foundation. Any secular builder, any Christian builder understands that, friends. So we need to get our salvation down. If I were the devil, of which I'm not, and my wife would agree with me wholeheartedly, I hope. <laughs> if I were to attack you today, I know where I'd attack you, right at your foundation. The biggest struggle, if I could say, or the biggest sin that happens in Christian churches is doubting our salvation. Let me challenge your thinking. I'll give you one illustration. We'll go on. I was at Knobel's Grove, and, and uh, I was going to get on the Phoenix. The Phoenix is the, the largest wooden roller coaster east of the Mississippi. Now it's probably changed since then, but I'm from Pennsylvania, Jersey Shore, Pennsylvania. So we grew up 45 minutes away from Knobel's Grove. You say, what's the big deal about Knobel's Grove? Well, I'll tell you. It was rated the best. Did you check that out? Number one, Uno, man. We're talking number one family amusement park in all of the United States. That was last year. That's over Disney World. And I got to grow up 15 minutes or 45 minutes away from there. We'd go all the time. Well, I wanted to go and I wanted to get on the Phoenix. I took my family. It was a church activity. And some of you are saying, man, hey, listen, man, I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those goers, man. I won't go to an amusement park. Well, listen, it makes the lines much shorter for me. So whatever you need to do, you do. It's on your conscience, not mine. What I'm saying is this, is we were on our way there, and, and, and I had a shirt on that smelled bad. You ever been there, brother? I'm telling you, it's no one from working out. It wasn't from anything. It just smelled bad. You say, did you dig it out of the laundry? No, here's the scenario. My wife has a front-end loader washing machine. My wife's phenomenal at washing clothes. She's phenomenal at being a great lady. She's a great supplier. Uh, she's a jewelry seller. She's unbelievable. She's making, she sells us paparazzi stuff, so she's becoming a millionaire $5 at a time. It's an amazing thing. And uh, I'm just kidding. She just wants to provide for the family and buy some clothes and stuff for the kids. So I enjoy her wanting to make that effort. I say all that to say we were getting ready. She has a front-end loader washer. Now, ladies, ladies, you know this already, but fellas, you may not understand. See, what you do with your clothes, you just throw them all in and hope they all get clean. You know, pile them all in there and shove them in. I understand that. But a front-end loader washer, what will happen is, is if there's moisture in there, they'll get a ring of mold around the outside of that on the rubber. It's hard to get out. You do got to put vinegar or something on there, run a couple loads of bleach through there in order to get that mold out. If you run a load of clothes through there, they will smell like mold, but they will not smell like mold immediately. They'll smell like mold when the sun starts hitting them about 10 a.m. in the middle of the amusement park. 
Okay, I had brought a second set of clothes because after all, hey, I was going to get on the log flume that day. You're going to get on the log flume, you either want to get in early, early in the day so you can dry off the whole day, but you never want to do that because you're absolutely burnt anyway. So you want to get on at the end of the day, okay? You change into some dry clothes and go home. Well, my clothes stunk, and it's amazing how, how usually that first load that goes through the washing machine is always my load when it stinks. I don't know, I don't know, I don't understand it, but it does happen that way. I'm just kidding. She, she assured me after this that I, that's not true. She does every time, but I find my shirts always... I, okay, but anyway, it's a family issue, not yours. I say all that to say, my shirt smelled. I noticed it, but you always know that you stink, right? I mean, you know, if you smell, you know it. My pastor was the first one to notice. He came over to me, and he leaned over, and he said, you smell something? I said, yeah, actually, Pastor, it's my shirt. I said, front end loader washed her, mold around. My front end always the first one to go through. I said, it's mine. I'm sorry. But I had the second shirt, log flume shirt. So I ran to the restroom as quick as I could. I put my shirt on. I ran into the stall, put my shirt on, hung my bag up, put, put everything on. I was just getting everything back together, put my backpack back on. I was just walking out when I heard out in the foyer of the restroom a maintenance lady. Yeah, you heard that right, a maintenance lady. And you know what I thought to myself? I'm going to help this lady out. I can't believe. I mean, in this day and age, it's not a big deal, right, for a guy and a girl to be in a different restroom. I understand that, but at that time, it was a big deal. Well, we are in the Valley, so maybe, maybe you didn't catch that whole debate. I mean, it's been a debate for a long time. Target, like, big money lost. I mean, it's been unbelievable. I still shop there. Oh, man, unspiritual. Okay, but I'm going to tell you, they got better clothes than Walmart. More durable. <laughs> What I'm saying, I am one of those guys. Anyway, uh, and I still go to Starbucks. Okay, now watch this. I ran into the restroom. I got changed. I heard it. It was like, Marge. Marge, yeah, you get that toilet fixed yet? Marge. I thought, Marge, I'm going to help Marge. Now I know her name. (laughs) I pulled that door open, man. I walked right up to Marge, and I looked around. You know what I realized? I was in a room full of ladies. (laughs) Yeah, I was in a ladies' restroom. (laughs) You say, what'd you do? I waved to as many people as I could. I said, hello. I didn't see anything inappropriate. I just said, hey, how you guys doing? Oh, that's good. And I walked out, red face, man. My pastor is laying prostrate on the ground out there laughing hysterically. I said, he could have rescued me, buddy. My wife learned about it later, and she's, oh, oh, oh. I'm thinking it was your fault. <laughs> Listen, what I'm saying is this. What was my problem? I got a lot of problems, friends, a bunch of them. What was my problem at that time? I wasn't thinking right. That was my problem. This morning, can I say it this way? If God challenges you and shows you that you're in the wrong restroom, (laughs) figuratively, not literally, literally we got issues, okay? If you're in the wrong restroom, can I help you out? Just simply do this. Say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. Do you know every time I open my Bible, God challenges me. Sometimes he says, you're right, and many times he says, I don't think you're thinking right on this, Mike. I don't think this was right. Friends, all I'm saying is let God challenge you here this morning. Maybe challenge your thinking and what's going on. 1 John 5.13. Can you turn there? 1 John 5.13. We're actually going to get to the scriptures. We're going to break down and make this thing happen. we got plenty of time. He says go till 12 o'clock. And uh, I said amen. We're just going to go ahead and do this. Just kidding. Okay, I think. Okay, here it is. 1 John 5.13, many of you know it, many of you already have it memorized, even in your kids' program, you've already memorized this years ago if you've been in this church for some time. It says this in 1 John 5.13, 
It says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So let's stop there. First John, a lot of people say, well, this is written to see whether you're saved or unsaved. Incorrect. Incorrect theology. Incorrect. I can only prove that because he says he's writing to those that are believing on the name of the Son of God, which is believers. Those that have put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ. A lot of people will take this and say, this is a passage to see whether you're saved or unsaved. Can I help you out? He never calls the lost brethren. And he never says anything about the lost being part of family. A lot of people maybe have taken that and said, well, I know what it is because, uh, because saved people should not, should not sin. I get that. I understand that. But the fact is, do saved people sin? <laughs> yeah, we do, buddy. I know I do. Maybe I missed something. I know my wife never does. The only Christian that never sins. That was better, huh? Better than that laundry thing. While at Bible college, I will tell you this. Listen, it says these things. Okay, these things I've written on you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Listen, you're a visitor here today. You've been here for some time. Listen, God just said you can know you're going to heaven. That's amazing. I mean, there's other religions out there that tell you, no, if you just be a good person, then maybe you'll get to heaven. Or if you just do these like we talked about this morning, sacraments, then maybe, just maybe. Or if you're in purgatory, then we'll just pray out. Well, none of those things are true. I'll give you a million dollars if you can find them in the scriptures. We'll give you the deed to this church, and I'll give you my first, second, third, and fourth child. And my dog. <laughs> eats a lot. It's not true, friends. None of those things are true. None of those things. God said you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. So how do you know that you're saved is the question. But there's countless Christians, as we've already addressed this morning, that doubt their salvation. If I were to attack you here this morning, I'd attack you at foundation. Let me ask you this question this way. Is doubting God ever good? No, but preacher, they said you need to work out your own salvation. If that means doubting God, then that's an incorrect interpretation of that passage. Doubting God is never good. God calls it unbelief. God has condemned people for unbelief. As a matter of fact, it says, "In all unbelievers shall find their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone." So no, no, no. It's definitely a sin. Well, I was at Bible college. I remember we had a we had a gentleman come in. We'd call him a silver-tongued evangelist. One of those guys that just likes to fill the aisles. That's not a difficult thing. We could preach on soul winning and prayer and fill aisles. Okay. But what I'm saying is he came forward and he preached and, and he talked about Judas. He said Judas walked with Jesus Christ for three and a half years and he did. Judas held the money bag. Judas healed people. I believe Judas did heal people. You say, why? Because if God can make a donkey talk, God can use Judas to heal people. Friends, in light of all those things, I'm just telling you, I believe he did all the things that the disciples did, but he said Judas betrayed Jesus and died and went to hell. You know that's true too. And then he said this. He says, what about you? Do you know that you're saved? And he pointed back to Judas's works. Oh, my soul, young and impressionable college students, I'll tell you what happened. There were 52 kids that walked forward that day for salvation. You say, praise the Lord, and I say, oh, my. You say, what happened is he began to point people to themselves for salvation rather than Jesus Christ for salvation. If I looked at myself for more than five seconds, I'm going to tell you this. I'd say, I'm not saved. If I looked at myself for a full day, I'd say, I'm condemned forever. But if I look to Jesus for but a second, I know that he has the power to save me. See, we need to not be egocentric. We need to be Christocentric, which puts Jesus Christ at the center and not us at the center. 
So in light of all those things, let's look for it for what it's worth. You say, what happened? I went into a professor's office because after all, in Bible college, I was getting saved every night. I guess I was saved, 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 amen? (laughs) Every night, I'd lay my head on my pillow and say something like this. Maybe you're there. You'd say, God, maybe I didn't mean it enough last night, but tonight I mean it. And God, I didn't sin as much today, and I'm sorry for all those sins that I did today. And those ones, some of them were new, so God, I'm asking, I'm confessing those all over again. Now, this was wrong thinking, but I'm telling you, I needed to be saved. And I was like, man, I'm getting saved again and again and again, not realizing I'd already been saved. I walked into a professor's office, Doc, and I said, hey, Doc. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how do you know that you're saved? I said, I'm kind of doubting whether I'm saved or not. Now, I was a drug dealer at 13 until I was about 21. I don't mean to shock you. I part my hair to the side, look like a big dork, and I kind of stick it up in the front today, try to be cool. But anyway, I say all that to say this, is that that's what I used to be. So if you're looking for change in my life, it was there. I remember I sat down with Doc. I said, Doc, how do you know that I'm saved? He must have been tired of kids walking in his office. He must have been sick of the counseling because this is what he said. He said, have you ever seen that you're a sinner? I said, I have, Doc. He says, have you ever seen that Jesus Christ died for all your sins? I said, I have. He he said, did you ever see that you deserved hell because of those sins? I said, I have. He says, did you depend upon him the best way you know how to get you to heaven? I said, I have. He said, get out of my office right now. Best advice I've ever received on assurance of salvation. Friends, all I'm telling you is this. When it comes down to it, doubting God is never good. He helped me out tremendously. Here's what your salvation does not depend upon, and then we'll tell you what it does, and we'll be all done. First of all, your salvation does not depend upon how you feel. Well, we know that, don't we? But some of us feel absolutely, even become, even now that we're Christians, we feel absolutely uh, carnal because we didn't do this, this, or this this morning, or we feel carnal because, well, you know, all these things are good things, don't get me wrong, but we feel carnal because we don't feel, we don't feel spiritual. Friends, it it says this, that your heart is deceitfully wicked. Remember that verse? You know, as a saved person, it's not like, you know, new heart, you got a new, you're a new man, But you can't tell me you don't have some of those same desires and feelings at times. Maybe you're something different than I am. All I'm, let's put it this way. 1 John 3, 19 through 21. Let's go there. Here's some guys with some feelings. Oh, my soul. As a matter of fact, 1 John 3, 19 through 21 says this. It talks about our heart. Our heart is our mind, will, and emotions in the scriptures. And in this reference, you can see it in context a little bit differently other places. But your heart many times talks about your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are, gonna, what's gonna, is, are, are what are going to get you in trouble on many different occasions. So it says this, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, uh-oh, your heart can condemn you. Your feelings can condemn you. You say, my feelings ain't going to condemn me. Man, I'm a super Christian. Don't you realize? At least I think I am. (laughs) Okay, fellas, if we were to just make a big line right here, all we need to do is is make a big line right here, and I need you to line up. And and what I'm going to do, fellas, is I'm just going to slap each one of you on the side of the face. Yeah, why not, right? What do your feelings want to do to me? Yeah, DDT, MMA, knockout, anything. (laughs) Anything that McGregor can do to another person, that's what you want to do. Connor, ooh, kick that speaker. Don't worry. Just My wife's making a million bucks on paparazzi, so just charge her for it. <laughs> All I'm saying is this, is you want to slap me back. 
Unless you're a little junior higher, then you're going to think about it. But I will tell you this. What does the Bible tell you to want to do? It tells you to surrender, doesn't it? Turn the other cheek. Friends, it's a surrender issue. It's not a feelings issue. It says this, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. So how can your heart not be condemning you when it comes to salvation this morning? Here it is. You're trusting something greater than your heart. You're trusting the only thing that God has exalted above his name, and that's his word. You've got to trust his word. You know what you got to do is say this. He said, whosoever called upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and I'm whomsoever, and I called upon the name of the Lord, I'm saved. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's taking his truth. Do you know when my daughter wakes me up at 3.30 in the morning, which happened again last night, when she wakes me up at 3.30 in the morning because she has to go potty, hey, man, don't look at me so pious. It happens in your house too. My wife was so smart to sleep on the other side of the bed. I'm on this side of the bed right by the bathroom in a 43-foot trailer. That's all you got is me right there by the bathroom, okay? So I'm the one that wakes up. I'm not a perfect parent. She does more work than I do. But when she wakes me up at 3.30 in the morning and has to go potty, you know what I don't feel? I don't feel saved. <laughs> I don't even feel sanctified, amen. <laughs> you know what I feel? Tired. And I want to be very kind when I say this. I don't love my Bible at 3.30 in the morning. I love my pillow. It's not about feelings, friends. It's all I need you to see. Let's say you get up in the morning, you pour your Cheerios, your Cocoa Puffs, your Fruity Pebbles, whatever you eat in the morning. I don't know what you eat in the valley. I know what we eat. We eat Sugar Smacks. That's what we're eating this week. We'll eat Cookie Crisp next week, okay? It's real healthy, deep down. Let's say you get up and you pour your cereal, and you realize this. You realize the milk is sour. Unfortunately, it's after the first bite. I don't know. If you're all teenagers here, I'd say we'd talk about a chunk that you bit. I don't know. We'd talk about something. But you're in a rush, so you have no time to eat your second bowl, and you can't get any other milk because it's at the store, and you just have absolutely no time. So you take your bowl, and you're taking it over the sink, and boom, man, crash all over the floor. There it is. You think, man, I don't have time to clean it up. You got a chunk here. You got a Cheerio sticking to the wall, man. You got all this stuff, and you throw it in the sink, and there it is. You're on your way out, and sure enough, you grab your backpack, you grab your briefcase, whatever you grab, your, your tool belt. You're on your way out the door. You step into the garage, and you told the cat never to lay there. Real. Now you got to explain that when you get home. Blessing to some, blight to other. It doesn't matter. It'd be a blessing in our house. So anyway, as a result of those things, you go out, you get in your car, you're halfway out of the garage, and you realize, I forgot to put the garage door up. <laughs> got to pry the garage door up. Now you pull back in, and now you're backing down the driveway. You told Rover not to lay in the driveway, but sure enough, got to explain that when you get home. You're just having one of those days. You back out onto the street and you're going by that stop sign, that stop sign here in the valley that nobody's been at for years. Nobody's at that stop sign ever at that time in the morning. So you decide this, I'm blowing it. Let me try to help you out because guardian angels don't blow stop signs. They don't. So your guardian angel stops at the stop sign. You go through the stop sign. Sure enough, semi-truck, couldn't even see it. Boom, man, now you find yourself in the hospital. Let me ask you a question. Feel pretty saved at that moment? Feel pretty right with God at that moment? No, friends, not at all. But aren't you glad, God forbid, you died at that moment, that God is greater than your heart and knoweth all things? See, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not about your feelings, friends, not at all. It says this, it's not only not about your feelings, but your salvation is not determined by your character or your merit. It's not about your works. Your works don't save you, and your works don't keep you saved. For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not of your works. It's a gift of God. Uh, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Friends, all I'm saying is this, it's not about your works. Now, I'll read this for sake of time. Just, just trust me on it. I promise you it's in the King James. It 
says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. You say, of course, man. All those pagans that call Lord aren't going to. No, no, no. There's people here that call Christ Lord that may not make it to heaven, friends, because you haven't come through Jesus Christ. But watch this now. But shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth will of my Father which is in heaven. Only the people that do the will of the Father will make it to heaven. You say, who's that? And what is the will of the Father? The will of the Father says this, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I'm not getting into the repentance debate. As a matter of fact, not once is repentance in the book of John, okay? You can get saved in the book of John. I'm not getting into that debate for all you theologians. But I will tell you this, is that when it comes down to the, to, to the simple facts is your works won't keep you. It says, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And then he says this. He says, prophesied has this idea. Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Has the idea of preaching, public proclamation. And in thy name we've cast out devils. You ever cast out a devil? These guys did. These guys seem to cast out not just one devil, but it's like they're all hanging out. It's like, hey, Bob, did you cast out that devil this week? No, they're all like, hey, man, Bob, Larry, Sam, we all cast out some devils, Jesus. See what I'm saying? Now watch this. I'm sure they weren't as flippant as I just was. But in thy day we've cast out devils. In thy name we've done many wonderful works. So they've done some wonderful works. They've cast out devils and they preached. You ever done those? Maybe some. Casting out devils, I'd love to hear the story. Probably scare the wits out of me. <laughs> and then will I profess unto them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know what he did? He cast them in outer darkness. These guys were preachers. <laughs> they were demon caster outers. And they did many wonderful works. And Jesus said, get away from me. I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. Why is it that these men were cast into hell? Because they had the works. You want to know why, friends? Because they were depending upon the wrong thing. When they get to the pearly gates, here's what they said. Jesus, look at all these things we've done. <laughs> Man, I preached. I preached over there at Bethany. I've done a lot of great things, Lord. And he says, nah. No, no, no. See, salvation ain't about you. It's about me. And when I get to the pearly gates someday, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell Jesus Christ. I hope it's the same thing that you say. And if it's him standing at the door, whoever, I don't care who it is. The first person I come to, I'm going to say this. I have nothing in my hand I bring, but simply to the cross I cling. It doesn't matter the things you've done. It simply matters what you're depending upon. You say, preacher, what about this verse? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. That's a great verse, and it's in the Bible. It's very true. But friends, what's the measuring stick for that? I'll tell you the measuring stick. God says, be therefore perfect, even as my Father which in heaven is perfect. How are you doing in that? No, we're all growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're all growing toward God. Last part is this. So whether you pray or whether you go out soul winning, which are essential commands from God, but whether you pray or go out soul winning is not the issue of your salvation, friends. It's the issue of your carnality. It's not the issue of salvation. Lastly is this, your salvation is not dependent upon your struggles with sin, and this is where the theological debate comes in. You say, what about a Christian who is in habitual sin? That's a good question, is it? Continual sin is what that means. Okay, let me give you a couple Bible examples. What about David? <laughs> Holy cow. When I think of David, I do think of the Psalms. And I think, wow, man, what an amazing man this was. And I read the Psalms, and I think, man, if I don't understand Ezekiel and what that big wheel was up in the middle of the air, 
And I get halfway through Revelation, and I say, what is this? Or I'm in Leviticus, and I'm like, man, the law does deaden. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, I can't read any more of this Leviticus stuff. You know where I run to? I run to the Psalms, many ones that David wrote. You say, why? Because David seems to understand exactly what I went through. Think he was saved when he wrote those? I know he was, friends. I'm confident he was. You say, so what do you do about that? David, when I think of David, I don't just really think of the songs. Unfortunately, I'm human, and what I think of is this. I think of David and Bathsheba. Do you know that David was a murdering and adulterer as a Christian, as a saved man? So how long did he live in sin? Until Nathan the prophet walked in 365 days later, best I could tell according to my study, and he pointed his finger in his face and he said this, thou art the man, David. And David repented and got right with God. So that leaves us that a Christian can be wrong with God or not right with God for at least 365 days. What about Lot? Oh. If we were sitting around at a preacher's conference, we'd say Lot. Man, he had a chance to be saved, but he didn't get saved. <laughs> but you know what Peter says about Lot? It says God said this, he, he was a just man, which means he was justified, he was saved. He was a just man, and he vexed his righteous soul by what he saw and what he heard. So it matters what we look at, matters what we listen to. But Lot, you say, how long did Lot live in sin? Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember the pinnacle of fatherhood for him? Oh, hey, I have two virgin daughters. Why don't you take them and let my guests stay here? Yes, men of the city, have fun with them. <laughs> yeah, that's like one-on-one on not raising kids right. But what happened was this, is very simply was this is that when he came out of that city, you say, when did he get right with God? Lot never got right with God, friends. Until the day he died, Lot lived in sin. So a Christian can live in sin to the day they die. How many people didn't sin on Monday? Perfect Monday, godly Monday. I'd love to see the hand. I really would. I've never met anybody. What about, was that a hand, sister? Oh, no. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What about today? Perfect day already, right? I didn't sin yet, preacher. It's not true in the Fisher home. I raised my voice to my kids. Shouldn't have done it. Oh, I did. I always get right with them, but I will tell you this. How long can a Christian live in sin to the day they die, friends? All I'm saying is this. If that statement were true, that sinners or saved people can't sin, then everybody in here is lost. I know that's not true. Second point, and we're all done. I promise you, we're going to coast. We'll go to 32, and we're out of here. Watch this, friends. What does my salvation depend upon then? Are you ready? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Second point was real quick, wasn't it? It's all about Jesus. Has there ever been a time in your life where you come to Jesus and Jesus alone to save you? Not Jesus plus the church, not Jesus plus baptism, not Jesus plus giving to the church. Jesus plus nothing, friends. If you were to stand before God right now and God were to ask you, what is getting you to heaven? Not, did you get saved and did your mama wear a polka dotted dress that day and were you next to an orange chair and what was the date and what was the time and what's written in your Bible? No, friends, that's not what I'm asking. What I'm asking is this, what are you depending upon right now to get to heaven? If it's anything, Jesus plus anything, or not Jesus at all, I'm telling you, you're not going to heaven. But if you can say, Jesus, <laughs> I'm depending upon him and him alone. He died on the cross for me. I asked him to save me. I asked him to give me a home in heaven. I saw that I was a sinner. I saw I deserved hell, and I saw that Jesus Christ is my only way to heaven. I'm telling you this, friends. Get it settled. Trust God. He saved you. 
Nobody fights, nobody fights against Santa Claus. You say, why? I hate to tell you this. As much as I'd love to go shoot all those reindeer and hang them on my wall, how glorious, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cubit, Blittens. I understand. I only know these carnal things because, because of my kids, okay? Why does nobody fight against Santa Claus? Are you ready, junior hires? Plug your ears. Listen. He's not real. He's not. Why does nobody fight against the Easter Bunny? He's not a six-foot bunny with a boomerang stalked Australian. I'm sorry. I didn't set out traps and get out my Remington 870 last, last Easter because I wanted, I wanted polka dots and not stripes. No, friends. I don't know why they do hollow bunnies. I think it's a rip-off too. I think it's deceptive. Why don't I go after the Easter bunny? Because he's not real. Why do I not shake down the tooth fairy every time he comes in my house or she comes in my house? Are you ready? Because I'm the tooth fairy. Hmm. A little bit like Dwayne Johnson, huh? No, no, I'm the tooth fairy. Hmm. All I'm saying is this, is he or she's not real. Why is it that billions and billions of dollars are being poured into, poured into a movement they call atheism? Why? Billions of dollars. Why? To try to prove that there's no Christ, that there's no God. Are you ready? Because he's real. You don't shadow box and fight against nothing. Friends, my time is done. It's done here, but I'm telling you this. It is not about your feelings. It's not about whether you struggle with sin. And it's not, it's not, it's not about, about uh, the other thing I said. <laughs> Preachers do it too. But I will tell you this. It is about one thing. Have you ever come to Jesus Christ and trusted him? My Bible says you're saved. I'm not trying to give you false assurance. I'm trying to give you the assurance. It's Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Friends, how many would say this, and for sake of time, we won't make it long, but I will tell you this. How many would say this? Preacher, I'm going to be honest with you. Know that I'm going to heaven? If you don't know you're going to heaven, you're in the right place. You are in the right place. You say, you know what? I don't know that I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to know. Preacher, I sure would like to know. I would like you to pray for me, but above and beyond that, preacher, I really do want to talk to somebody today, and I want to see from the Bible how to know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Would that be anybody that raised their hands with heads bowed and eyes closed? You know what, preacher? I want heaven. I do. I want to know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. I don't, but I would like to know. Is that anybody in here with raised hands? Say, that's me. Oh, don't let the piano deter you. This is just an invitation. God wants to talk to you about what he's already talking to you about. Is that anybody in here? How many would say this, preacher? I'm going to be honest with you. Doubt? Probably all too frequent. Maybe because of my lifestyle, because of a sin that's there, or because of just plain old doubt. I just have a tendency to doubt all the time. Or, or you know, I am depending upon my feelings. How many would say this, preacher? I'm going to be honest with you. I needed that this morning. I need to trust Christ alone and stop vacillating. I need to stop going back and forth on my salvation. I need to just secure it today and say, God, you're it. Jesus, you're the only way to heaven. Would that be anybody in here with raised hands say, that's me? I see that. See those hands. See those hands. See those hands. You're not alone, friends. You're not alone. You're not an island in here. That's one thing that many people battle with. Get it secure today, friends. Simple. It's all down to Jesus. How much simpler can it get? Father, we do love you and praise you. For sake of time, we, we do want to tell you this, is that we do love you. We do praise you. We thank you for your word. We know that you honor their hand today. 